the hours are long and it is really hard work, but at the end of the day, oh, it is so rewarding to look after people and to give them experience that they, they don't get everywhere. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. French bistros have underpinned the ethos and ideals of many restaurants over the last few decades in Australia. The simplicity, the ingredients, the technique, and the service. But Australia has its own unique climate and ingredients. What does a modern Australian bistro inspired by classic French bistros look like? Megan Rhodes-Brown is the owner of Muse Kitchen in Percolbin and Lawn. Megan, how are you? Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm good. It's good to have you on the show. You're pretty busy with with two restaurants inspired by French bistros. What's it like delivering that in regional New South Wales? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. The guests that we um, that we have visit the restaurant are so appreciative of the experience that we provide, and it's yeah, it's it's still so rewarding after so many years to to be able to provide that to our guests. It's inspired. Both venues are inspired by um, French bistros, but but a little bit different. How different are they, given the context of Australian ingredients and being in recent regional New South Wales to a classic French bistro? Well, I mean, I think that we um, we have a lot of flexibility in, in what we provide. We don't we we try not to pigeonhole ourselves into one particular um, sort of type of, of cuisine. Um, we're very guided by our guests and the feedback that we get and, um, and, and what our guests enjoy. So I, I think from menu to menu, from season to season, I think the menu evolves um, based um, predominantly off the feedback we get from guests and what we think that they and what we think they're going to enjoy. So not necessarily all that trend-driven, but just um, just dishes and, and food that people can just sit down and enjoy and not overly um, have to understand or, or um, it's sort of not going to um, sort of um, – they don't sort of need to have this, this huge knowledge of food to enjoy it. You've got an amazing young chef there, Josh Gregory. Uh, how does he balance that um, need for creativity as a young chef and and the want of of the diner to get that balance right? He, I'm so lucky in that um, our guest experience is at the forefront for him. Um, nothing else really, really matters. He, he sort of leaves. And, and as he tells his team, leave your ego at the door. We're here for our guests. Um, it's refreshing, you know, and, and he's been like it right from day dot when he started with us as a first-year apprentice. Um, he has always had that temperament and um, it's, yeah, just sort of hats off to him because he's just over the years as he's become a better chef, chef that hasn't changed. And it's really refreshing, especially for the young chefs that work with him, um, because I find that, yeah, it does rub off on them and it, 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 it's really refreshing. The last couple of years have been pretty challenging for restaurants, but to throw on top of that, you've thrown in a new restaurant and the last year and a half you opened the one in Lawn. What was it like opening a restaurant in this time? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, in hindsight, <laughs> but um, it, it's been great. If anything, the last few years... I would say have taught me more about running a business than the 10 years before that. 
um, just how to swivel and how to be, you know, uh, flexible and um, sort of adapt to the different situations that we've been in. Every lockdown's been different, um, different length of time, um, staff starting with us and then, you know, finishing with us. And it's been hard. It's been really, really hard. Um, and I think our, our industry is still very much feeling it and um, will continue to feel it for, for some time. I think that, that's really fascinating. You've learned more in the last um, two years than perhaps the last decade as a business owner. Well, tell us, tell us about that. What what have you learned, and what's changed with your approach to hospitality as a result? I think that we were just thrown into this situation that none of us ever thought that we would be in. It's it, none of us had plans in place to deal with this. And, you know, one minute we're trading, the next minute it's we're closed as of 5 p.m. this evening. Um, yeah, it, it was very stressful. So I think we've learned to um, operate the restaurant with oh, definitely less staff. Um, um, <laughs> through Yeah, that's probably a choice we didn't make um, consciously, but um, we've had to deal with. And, um, and also, I mean, guest expectations, um, sort of um, booking spacing, um, you know, the number of guests where we can book at a time, everything, you know, the timing of our dining experience, everything had to um, be taken into consideration to be able to keep the restaurants afloat, essentially. You mentioned that you've learned a a lot during this period of time. Do you feel that diners have learned a lot too? Is there a new type of diner coming to the regions at the moment? Same, same diners, but I think people are, well, definitely the guests that we're um, looking after are so understanding of what we're, of the, the situation that we're in. And they're so appreciative that we're, we are still loving what we do and we are still putting, you know, we're going the extra mile to, to over-deliver and um, that hasn't changed. But guests know that the dining experience, it look, it takes a little bit longer now to serve that. You know, we used to sort of aim for that two hours. Now we're at two and a half hours because mm. you know, we're, we're definitely light on chefs. And But the guests don't blink an eye. They, The guests that we've had have just, yeah, they've been wonderful. Take me back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family? Oh, it was pretty basic, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to my mother. Um feed me, but it was pretty basic. Honestly, I fell into this industry by complete accident. I I went through school, I, I finished my HSC and I just sort of hadn't found what I wanted to do yet. Um, and uh, just decided, well, through school, worked at, at a restaurant and um, as a kitchen hand, um, believe it or not. And um, you know, finished the HSC and thought, oh, well, you know, I might just work the holidays. So I went to Robert, to Robert and Sally Molines, who I'd grown up knowing. Um, we so I sort of grew up with their children. So um, I knew Robert and Sally and, you know, they, they sort of gave me an opportunity and um, I started working there and then that led into a hospitality traineeship and um, I was hooked. I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I, it was just the attention to detail and the caring for people and providing this experience that, that impressed people uh, was just so rewarding. 
and it wasn't something I thought I would get from any other job that or any other sort of career path that I would take. So that's why I decided to stay in it. Um, with you know, and it wasn't sort of without my parents saying, "No, you don't." <laughs> go to university. And I was like, no, I found what I love doing. Um, so, yeah, it started from there. And I've been, as I said, I've been hooked ever since. There isn't a day where I don't want to go to work. Are there any experiences or moments or venues that you worked at that really contributed um, to uh, the path that you've gone on in your career? Oh, I... Um, I mean, every good restaurant that I eat at, I'm always it always inspires me again. You know, I we just come back from Sydney um, over the last few days and and dined um, down there, and I, I'm just it just reinvigorates me. It just reiterates to me that there are still those hospitality professionals out there that just love the industry as much as I do. And um, you know, in, particularly in the Hunter Valley, we're we're finding it tough at the moment to find. Um, those individuals, um, but I, I'm just going to remain very um, optimistic that that um, that we will find them and and we'll just keep working hard until then. But yeah, just honestly, any dining experience that I have where I'm looked after, genuinely, it just yeah, it just reinvigorates my whole love for the industry. Muse Dining. Uh- is a, an amazingly awarded restaurant and you were a real key to the success of that. Tell, tell us about the beginnings of that and how you created Muse Dining. Oh, it was tough. Um, Troy and I um, sort of worked together at Roberts and um, and knew right from the very start that, that we could open a restaurant together. And uh, But I, I didn't I don't think either of us envisioned what we'd end up with. Um, we we pictured something far smaller, far more humble, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but go big or go home. Um, we decided to to sort of take on the venue that's Hungerford Hill, um, which is a large space, you know, and it's it's grand. And so, what you provide there, the experience you provide, needs to match that sort of. Um, building and, and location and um, yeah so we, we decided to we went in completely blind um, at the beginning of the global financial crisis in 2009 uh, <laughs> decided to open one of the most expensive restaurants in the Hunter Valley uh, that was good <laughs> nothing was costed uh, no, we, we went in it was all heart nothing else I can honestly say Nothing else drove us but our hearts. And, um, yeah, just the, we just put a team together, very small, but all hospitality professionals that we'd known. And, um, and you know, um, we, we started and we went through the first year and um, that was tough. Numbers were good, but, again, nothing was costed. So we, we had no way. We were sort of flying blind and... Um, I remember our, our accountant turned up one day and said, we need to talk about when we're going to close the restaurant. <laughs> you got in trouble. We were like, oh, and I remember Troy saying, just give us a little bit more time. Just get, let us get reviewed by the good food guy and let's see how we go. Um, he just really, you know, just to have that validation from people that we looked up to so much um, 
it meant a lot to us. So we waited and I think it was another four months we were reviewed um, and the review came out and, and we got a chef's hat. And um, we were so proud. It was just, it was honestly, I still remember we were away skiing. I remember I was coming down the slopes and Troy was standing at the bottom of the slopes, jumping up and down like an, like an idiot. And I thought to myself, what is wrong with him? And just phone call to say we got our invite to the Good Food Guide Awards. So that was like the us like winning an Oscar or something. Um, that's how, how much it meant to us. From then on, it was like, yeah, what that did for our sort of relatively unknown business, um, what it did for us was, I, yeah, I, I can't even tell you. It was, it, yeah, people sort of, I don't know, took us more seriously. Um, you know, staff, staff wanted to work with us. You know, back then there was this big pool of staff so you could pick and choose and you could really put a team together of people that, oh, they covered every aspect of the dining experience. It was just, yeah, it was amazing to be a part of. And, um, yeah, then we, we just, it went from there. It just, yeah. And then a couple of years later we opened Muse Kitchen because we were given this unbelievable um, opportunity from Keith and Amanda Tullick. Um and yeah, it was it was just a really nice way of offering a, a different dining experience, offering a a bit of um, you know sort of variance within the workplace for our staff as well. You know, they do some shifts at Muse Kitchen, they do some shifts at Muse Restaurant. It was just a way of um, it's it's you know mixing it up for them a little bit, which keeps the job interesting. And um, yeah, it was amazing to be a part of. It's, yeah, I'm very definitely very proud you became renowned as one of the best front of house professionals uh in, in a regional restaurant in australia well, tell us about service in a regional restaurant and meeting those standards what, what is the the art to great service in a restaurant of sort of news dining standard without a doubt attention to detail um and not just attention to detail in looking after someone it's you know cleanliness it's neatness it's organization it's you know everything from scented candles that smell beautiful and so the bathrooms smell beautiful you know it, it's everything it's everything it's the lighting it's the temperature it's the music it's it, so much goes into creating an experience that people can't sort of um criticize in any way that you know you just want them to sit there and enjoy themselves and and um in order to do that everything needs to be taken care of um so yeah that that for me is it's just attention to detail and attention to every detail um within the restaurant with with the awards that you're receiving and the attention what, what sort of impact did that have have on you and the operations of the business <laughs> Uh, oh, definitely. I mean, there was definitely added pressure. Um, and we definitely did feel that. Um, we put that completely on ourselves, though. Um, but we definitely did feel it. Um, the business. I, I think we were just. Um, it, we we were just. Our name was out there. So um, rather than us having those quiet Friday nights and waiting until every, all of our guests came up on the Saturday um, to start booking on a Saturday night and then we were turning turning people away, um, our Friday nights picked up. So people were actually booking us before they were coming 
rather than waiting till they were up and then being recommended to us and then trying to get a reservation. So um, that was really nice. And, and then, you know, you're open for four nights of the week. They were all really consistently booked. And I think it was just that, yeah, our name was out there and we always said it didn't matter if we had 10 guests in the restaurant or 100 guests in the restaurant. If those 10 guests had the same experience um, as as if the restaurant was full, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day that if people enjoyed themselves, they'd go away, they'd recommend us, more people would come and, and we just had to believe that that would happen. And it did. It did. It was just all about the experience, not not necessarily focusing on the number of guests that we had in the restaurant at any one time. These days, Troy has Muse Dining and you have um, the Muse Kitchens. T- taking over um, the bistros, did that change your approach or um, were there challenges involved in, in running the businesses by yourself? Not at all. It definitely doesn't change my approach to the business, my approach to service. It is, it's exactly the same. The standards are exactly the same. Um, definitely, I you know, it, it, it was a, a lesson, lots of lessons learned. <laughs> um, having to be across, it, it's definitely different running a business on your own to running it with someone who you um, know has your back and, and you can bounce ideas off. And, and Troy definitely, um, you know, he was over the kitchen. I never had to worry about that. You know, the chefs were happy, they were you know, he had them under control and, you know, um, and he took care of all of that beautiful, you know, food that was coming out of the kitchen. So I just had to focus on the front of house. Whereas now it's, you know, I do have to be across all aspects of the business, but, you know, there are benefits to that as well. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's been, there's been lessons learned, but it's, you know, it's definitely not been, in, you know, in a negative way. I, I'm, a, yeah, I'm appreciative for the lessons that I have learned. That's for sure. Muse Kitchen is a real celebration of the um, produce of the region as well. Do you have any stories of the connections that you've you've made with producers of the region? Oh, it's it's lovely the the connections, especially seeing the relationship that Josh has with them. Um, they really look after us and. Um, you know, the supplies, some of, you know, most of the supplies that we use, they, they're delivering the produce themselves. And that's, yeah, it's, it's really nice just seeing the relationship that he has with them, um, you know, having them dine in the restaurant and seeing their produce on the menu. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. I guess that's one of the best parts about owning a, a regional restaurant is you do get that, get that relationship that, you don't always get if you had a restaurant sort of in the city. So the two restaurants are only a hop, skip and a jump away from each other. Um, how different is, are the offerings and, and how do you manage the two venues? Completely different um, in that um, the Hunter Valley is uh, a more formal dining experience, that fixed price, that fixed number of courses um, and sort of that longer time spent with the guests creating that experience. Whereas Lawn, um, Lawn is built for either that long leisurely lunch, cocktails, wine, um, or that quick lunch that, you know, in, in people's lunch break, they can come have one course and be on their way. So we've got to sort of be really flexible in terms of what our guests are arriving and needing from us. Um, and, 
yeah, completely different clientele, which is, yeah, really, really nice as well. Um, all of my staff work between the two, um, which makes um, managing it a lot easier. Um, so Josh um, is executive chef for both restaurants. Um, he controls the menu at both, um, but he has a head chef at Lawn who um, takes care of the day-to-day runnings of the restaurant. Um, but, yeah, front of house-wise, um, yeah, we do have all of our staff work between the two um, and they, they understand the standard and, and um, it's no different from either restaurant. During this time with um, – before the international borders opened up, there was a lot of talk about the regions booming and, and restaurants in regions boom, booming. What's things like at the moment and how do you see the next couple of years for regional restaurants like the ones you have? Things, things are great at the moment. Um, the Hunter Valley particularly is busy. It's, it's almost like it's come back to life. Um, it's, it's sort of the Hunter Valley 10 years ago. You know, we had weekends where there were people out riding bikes and there were people laying on the grass and, you know, it, you know by the side of the road, people having picnics. That's what it was like. It, it just got so quiet there for a while. Um, and the Hunter Valley, it, it Everything felt so different, but yeah, it, it just feels like it's come back to life. People have realised what we have on our do- on our doorstep. It really makes you appreciate what you have here, and um, and yeah, the Hunter Valley is is amazing at the moment. And Lawn guests are just happy that they were just so happy to have things open and be out and, and getting coffee and there, you know, <laughs> oh. It was like a party town there. The day everything opened, it was, oh, you know, give me three coffees, four coffees, come back and have more coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, yeah, they're just so, so happy to have for, for life to be, you know, back to normal essentially. With with the success of the uh, the Muse Kitchen at Lawn, do you, do you have any plans for further further expansion in the next couple of years? Oh, definitely not at the moment. Um, uh, just staffing, staffing is is very tough at the moment. Um, Lawn's currently closed uh, Wednesday Thursdays um, purely because we can't staff it. Um, so we had to reduce the trading hours there, um, which. Yeah, and, and we're just looking to recruit. So at the moment, I think just our guest experience um, is is really at the forefront um, for us. And um, we are busy, but we will book the number of guests that we can look after well um, and, and we'll continue to do that uh, until things improve. But, yeah, n- no plans for expansion at the moment, um, just focusing on what we do and, constantly improving the standard and yeah you're one of the um, key people with the sort of rise in offerings in regional australia and the boom in um, amazing offerings in regional um, towns so what do you love about what you do oh no day no 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 two days is ever the same (laughs) it is it is I, i tell my staff there's not many jobs that you can do where you can work 12 hours and not look at your watch once once we don't <laughs> we don't have time to look at it and you know we are um you know the, the hours are long and it is really hard work but at the end of the day oh, it is so rewarding to look after people and to give them experience that they 
they don't get everywhere. And I, I think, um, yeah, just it's so rare these days to to have that dining experience where you, you feel genuinely looked after from the minute you walk through the door to the minute your waiter walks you out. It's, um, my, yeah, my staff are so dedicated to um, to what they do and seeing that, yeah, just it, it's a no-brainer to want to turn up to work every day with those people because, yeah, they're unbelievable, unbelievably professional. Well, Megan, it's it's amazing what you've created there in the Hunter Valley, and it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.